0: Between Episode 19, The Power of Patients to Choose. Today, I speak with Crane Stavig, a garden designer from Seattle, Washington.
1: American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know talking, relentlessly seeking value.
0: In today's in episode, we are going to diverge from our normal panel of healthcare industry experts and speak instead to the person we all work for and aim to serve as best we can, the patient. Today we are speaking with Crane Stavig, a garden designer in Seattle, and he is going to talk about his recent experience finding the best place to get a hernia surgery. We talk about how to price shop for a procedure and also the reasons why one healthcare provider might charge $40,000 for the same procedure that another facility, which might be just as good or likely better, is charging $3,000 for. Deltas of that magnitude exist. If you have a high deductible plan where you are paying 20% or more of those charges, that's the difference between paying $8,000 or $600. This is real money, especially when we live in a country where the average American has less than $1,000 in savings and medical expenses are the leading cause of bankruptcy. Patients being educated on how to navigate the healthcare system, in my opinion, is one of the most useful and needed life skills for anybody living in this country today. And sadly, it is a life skill, which you can't take classes in. We should rectify that. My name is Stacey Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. Welcome to Relentless Health Value, Crane.
1: Thank you very much. Glad to be here.
0: Today, we are speaking with Crane Stavig, who is a garden designer in Seattle, Washington. And Crane, you recently had a run-in with the healthcare system, and I would love to talk to you about it.
1: Sure. Willing to share.
0: You are probably a pretty average patient.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm a, a very rare user. Uh, yeah, like once a year out-of-pocket coverage just for an annual exam, just because it seems like a good thing, a good idea to do.
0: Why do you pay out-of-pocket for your annual exam? Like you, ha- you have insurance, right?
1: Well, I carry major medical just because you know, I work outside with power tools and I sometimes climb trees. So if I'm going to fall and break a femur, I want to have coverage for if I get admitted to a hospital. But typically, it's such a high deductible that just a normal office exam, something like that, is only a few hundred dollars. So it's not going to get anywhere close to my deductible. So I just covered it out of pocket.
0: Do you go in and say, I would like the cash price or do you give them your insurance card?
1: I just usually do a cash price just out of pocket.
0: So we had an interesting conversation that started, I don't know when, was it a month ago? Because you were diagnosed with a hernia and now all of a sudden you needed hernia surgery. Should you just kind of go through, like, sort of what the chain of events was? So, you went to the doctor, you got diagnosed, and we started talking because you knew exactly how much that surgery was going to cost. Like, how did you figure out or find out or even ask what the cost was going to be?
1: My doctor's like, well, you could just live with it for a while. It does, it's not urgent. However, if it becomes urgent, we need to see you that day. So he suggested that I probably talk to someone sooner than later and get it scheduled, at least get it looked at by a surgeon and get you know get a surgeon's opinion. So I did that made an appointment at a regional surgical center near Seattle. And they, at the time, said, OK, let's go ahead and get this scheduled. Let's get you on the books. Here's what you need to do prior to the surgery. And no one mentioned cost until I specifically asked them for a breakdown of what the expenses were going to be.
0: Most patients in this country would just book it and then the envelope with the bill would come in the mail and they would open it up having no idea, like they bought a service without having any idea what it was going to cost. What possessed you <laughs> to actually ask?
1: I just had no idea. I don't know if it was a $40,000 know, procedure or if I should fly to Spain or something like I see on the Internet. People travel the world to go get procedures done. So I thought I should probably ask because I knew I had a high deductible. So I didn't know if it would fall within that or I just I wanted to know. But I was, I was kind of surprised that it wasn't offered up at the same time they scheduled it or something like that. To me, it was kind of a, a pretty big thing to not just disclose right up front. So it made me a little bit nervous. Like, so What kind of sticker shock is going to be hiding behind this? And so when I finally asked and they told me, you know, it was going to be more than $9,000, but don't worry, we have a payment plan or things, you know, they sort of talk about financing. So that, that made me a little nervous.
0: I would strongly suggest that it's probably more than an N of one if the surgery center has financing. What would you do next?
1: After that, I had a bit of sticker shock and I was wondering, you know, because they, well, they told me initially what my payment would be without really telling me what the total was going to be. So I had to call back and talk to just someone else, someone else at the surgical center to find out what the total was going to be. And then I was kind of shocked that I was on the hook for basically 80% of the total procedure, which I thought, what, why do I have insurance? <laughs> <laughs> if I'm on the hook for 80% of a procedure, shouldn't something kick in prior to that? Some kind of insurance benefit? I'm like, why am I spending so much money every month for coverage when it literally not giving me very much benefit?
0: Yeah. And it turned out that like that was just your max out of pocket, your deductible.
1: Right. And that's what it turned out. because I just have a bronze plan, just like a major medical. And, you know, the, the deductible was high enough that it was just, it ended up representing you know, the vast majority of the total expense.
0: It was considerable. It was Something like, what was it, like over seven grand?
1: Yeah, it was like seven over seven thousand out of my pocket when the total procedure was about ninety four hundred.
0: I had very fortuitously just been speaking with David Contorno. Also, very fortuitously, had just produced a Vimeo video of himself price shopping for the exact same hernia surgery that you happen to have, Crane.
1: Yeah, no, I saw that like, wow, this is, this is you know, I was sharing some of the same thoughts that he had.
0: We are talking about David Contorno, founder of Empowered Benefits and guest on Relentless Health Value, episode 186. The only way to pay less for healthcare is to pay less for healthcare.
1: That no, was very helpful. I mean, that's that kind of alerted me that that's something that's you know me as an end user, a consumer of you know healthcare, that that's something that I can kind of self-direct and I can actually shop around. That was kind of a completely new notion that that was even something that people do or are allowed to do. It's like, wait, I can call the surgical center and cancel the surgery and say, no, I'm going to look elsewhere. I mean, that's, I didn't even know that that was
0: something we could do. There's kind of the cash side of that equation, but then there's also the insurance side of that equation. It makes sense, if you think about it, that cash prices might vary from surgery center to surgery center. But one of the things I think that is even more sort of esoteric and odd from not an industry perspective is the fact that insurance companies negotiate different prices for the same service from different surgery centers. So, you know, or just different provisioners of care. They could be paying one practice $800 for a colonoscopy or whatever, and then there's a center a place down the road and they're paying $3000 for the exact same surgery.
1: It'd be nice if that were transparent for the end user so I could, you know, go online and find, you know, like, you know, like we can for automobile or airfare or hotel rooms where, you know, where's the price shopper for you know surgeries, non-critical, non-life threatening surgeries or other medical procedures? Like how can I can't shop around for that and discover that, oh, I can go to South Florida and get the same procedure for a tenth of what it is in Seattle or whatever the case may be.
0: There is, you know, for example, I had Gary Frazier on the podcast maybe six months ago and he's creating, he just started a company called Om Healthcare, OM Healthcare. And that is his vision to create kind of a marketplace where individuals can go onto the website and see what the prices are for various services. There's also healthcarebluebook.com and there is Guru. Dot com, which I think you used, Crane, and we can talk about that in, ex- uh, in a sec. There's a number of services online where individuals can go and you can get a general sense of the cash price for how much a, a service will cost if you pay cash. But where it gets really interesting and where your point is very, very valid is there's pretty much nowhere you can go to get a bead at a macro level on how much the service will cost a patient who has insurance and is going to pay 20% of whatever the negotiated price that insurance carrier got from the service, the care provider. That is a mystery.
1: Well, and it, as for me, it was a kind of an eye opener to actually do a little bit of shopping around. Well, actually, it's interesting at the surgical center that the original where I had the operation was scheduled for when they broke it down for me and said, OK, it's $9,400. And something like thirteen hundred dollars was for the uh, surgeon, and like what's like eighteen hundred, I think something like that was for the anesthesiologist, and the balance, like more than six thousand dollars, was the facility for a forty-five minute procedure.
0: It's so funny that you mentioned that because I was just going to say like things that put a monkey wrench in the works. One of them is generally speaking, I don't want to like call out anesthesiologists because they are not the only, do I want to say the word culprit? Let's just say reason for out-of-pocket spend because a lot of times anesthesiologists are out-of-network. What winds up happening is that there's a negotiated price, but then the patient gets hit with surprise billing, it's often called, because the price quoted was what the insurance company is going to pay. And the insurance company had no dealings with anybody who is out of network that wound up getting, have or providing a service within the context of the procedure. So then the patient winds up unexpectedly being responsible for any of those out-of-network services that were provided. Another word for it, which is slightly different, but same general idea, is balance billing. So the insurance company basically pays what they negotiated for the service, and anything above and beyond that, which is considered out-of-network, the patient gets a bill for it, which is frightening, especially if you thought that you shopped around and thought that, Everything was part of network and the price that you were quoted was X amount and you were okay with it. And then the facility fees, although it makes perfect sense if you're the seller of the service, it doesn't make any sense if you're the consumer. Where the facility fees come into play is that if you're considered a hospital, you're allowed to charge facility fees. Whereas if you're an ambulatory service, generally speaking, you are not. I mean, that's one of the main reasons for the consolidation that's going on. It's a huge driver because you are effectively allowed to bill you know, government programs, for example, like Medicare and Medicaid, a higher rate if you are providing services within certain facilities than within others. So you notice all these hospitals buying local ambulatory practices. And one of the reasons why the local ambulatory practices are willing to sell is because everyone can raise prices
1: well and yeah and that, with that case in point because i was at this beautiful new you know fairly new construction facility on the east side of you know, uh, near seattle and it was just this you know gorgeous building with fantastic underground parking and it's like wow this is all state of the art but i don't need that i'm here for 45 minute outpatient procedure why am i on the hook for six thousand dollars for 45 minutes Of this facility, (laughs) I I don't. I don't need that. I just, you know, we could do this in a drive-through if they had the technology. (laughs) because you know, I was going to be in and out. There's a up. It's easy. We've done hundreds of these. It's all laparoscopic, so it's you know, easy. General anesthesiology You need someone else to drive you home, and then you know, literally 45 minutes at the facility. So that's why, you know, I'm glad I had that information. You know, from the video, you You that I can shop around, and for this kind of procedure, I can get an ambulatory surgical center. I don't need to be admitted and I get something that's much lower overhead.
0: It was a revelation that you had that, you know, like I said, I think more and more people are starting to have that revelation. But the other thing that's important about what you did you know healthcare is one of maybe the only industry where the laws of economics are turned on their head generally speaking the higher the quality the higher the cost in healthcare that is i mean there's always exceptions but generally speaking it's the opposite the lower the cost the higher the quality and the reason for that is because what makes high quality is standardized care care that's standardized to the best practice number 1 and then number 2 volume You know, like they always say, don't go to a surgeon unless the surgeon has done the surgery literally hundreds of times because your outcomes are scientifically proven to be better if you have a surgeon who has done the operation hundreds of times. But those same exact factors are exactly what makes lower prices standardized care, you know, reduces waste, is more efficient, and higher volume enables systems to be put in place in order to reduce effectively the cost of care. In many cases, the centers or the places that if you're price shopping that have wildly higher prices. Like in the David Contorno video, he found a place that was doing, you know, the same surgery that you both needed for $40,000. So, you thought nine was high. And effectively, he looked at that place up and found that they actually had lower quality scores than the place that he ultimately wound up going, which cost 4000 So, you know, a wildly high price mm-hmm. is actually a really bad sign.
1: And I found something. Well, it's interesting that you'd sent me a link. I think, was it guru.com? Yes. Something where he able to look regionally at what this same procedure, kind of what, the, what it, a broad overall range was. And so I think even the median price for my area was showing up as like eleven or $12,000 for the same laparoscopic inguinal hernia repair. And so my quotes initially for 9000 was well below the median for my area. And I went a little bit outside of Seattle, and ultimately I'm going to be on the hook for about 4100 or 4300 something like that, and anyway, fairly close to 4000
0: So you went on Guru, which is G-U-R-O-O.com, and you shopped around, you got the average price. Does it actually show on Guru.com what the price is at various facilities?
1: It wasn't that specific. It just kind of showed Seattle area, here's median, here's high, here's low for the procedure that you need.
0: You were like, okay, well, what if I type in this zip code that's a little out and you check that area as well?
1: Well, and actually I did not do that. I didn't take it to the next step. I just kind of looked at it and said, wow, you know, my initial one was much lower. And I know, and I'd already gotten a price quote from this other smaller surgical center. And I said, wow. So, you know, my initial quote was just over 9,400, something like that. So this other quote came at just over 4,000. So I didn't even look further. I already had it in writing from them what the, what the price was. <laughs> but I don't need to dig deeper. I'm like, I'm not gonna start, you know, I already went from ninety-four hundred down to four thousand. I didn't think I'd gonna get much better after watching David Carturno's video where he shopped around. He did a lot more legwork than I did. And I thought, wow, I've already netted out pretty quickly with what he was willing to pay. So I must be okay I'll just leave it there and kind of just start booking it.
0: You thought to yourself, oh, well, maybe if I just go a little bit outside Seattle and you just kind of like hit the jackpot. You just like picked a place and it just so happened.
1: Well, I think that you had actually reached out to David on my behalf. He said he was visiting the Seattle area anyway. So uh, he actually provided the name of this place over this west of Seattle.
0: So that was actually the place that he recommended.
1: I think, yeah, it was a place that he'd recommended. I think it came up during his research. When he was dialing for dollars all around the country for the exact same procedure so i think he said oh i didn't know anything in seattle but maybe there's one outside of seattle why don't you give them a shot and it's actually turns out it's actually in network with kaiser permanente my insurance carrier so it's going to so the money i spend out of pocket will count towards my deductible and i'm getting referral from my initial primary physician to this other facility so that part i felt Better about knowing that it's still within networks. So if there are complications or if anything comes up, it's still within my network.
0: Yeah. And you know, you'd think that you sign up with an insurance carrier because they have the wherewithal and the bulk to throw around to negotiate the best price that is possible to get. But, and it's weirdly inconsistent. You know, the price that they negotiate might be great. But it also could be needlessly high. There's plenty of occasions, especially like with MRIs, where the cash price is actually less than the negotiated insurance price. And then as a consumer, you got to do math because you have to think to yourself, Okay, say the cash price is $300, but the negotiated insurance price is $800, but you pay 20% of 800, because that's what your cost sharing is.
1: In my case, yeah, I did. I asked them specifically what my cash price would be. And they told me, like I said, a little over 4000 And I asked them specifically to break it down. How much is going for the surgeon? How much is for the anesthesiologist? How much is for a facility? Mm-hmm. And very specifically, say to say, is this inclusive? Is this everything that's going to be in or is there anything, you know, is anyone else gonna come by and peek their head in the room, then all of a sudden their bill shows up. <laughs> like, who's that guy? Like, He's the maintenance, He just wanna make sure the lights are on. <laughs> I just have you know, visions of that kind of thing happening. It just you know, kinda of things get bloated for no apparent reason. But so far they seem like I said they seem very straightforward.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. Crane, it was so wise of you to inquire, you know, effectively what we'd call that in the industry is the bundle price. And and that's exactly what you effectively did. You, You know, you said, is this the complete price, the price of the bundle of services in its entirety? And a lot of times, exactly what we were just talking about earlier, if you don't ask that, then you do have somebody popping in who just happens to be out of network. And there's just so many examples. Of these surprise bills that pop up, very smart of you to inquire.
1: I only do this, you know, once every thirty or forty years, so I want to make sure <laughs> I want to make sure I cover my bases.
0: And just to kind of round out this conversation, which I think is really valuable, you know, if you are a consumer out there who is listening to this in betweenisode, what Crane's experience is is applicable for colonoscopies, it's applicable to MRIs, it's applicable to any really outpatient surgery or even inpatient surgery. I mean, and obviously you're not going to go price shopping like this if you just had a heart attack. But there's most care in this country is not acute. The vast majority. I used to know this this stat off the top of my head. I can't think of it now, but let's just say it is far and away most care that's provided in this country is not in, you know, of a, an acute nature. It is things which where there is time to look around and find the best facility to get the care that you need at the right price or a price that's fair. Keeping in mind, exactly like I said before, if you find a fair price, oftentimes that's actually the best place to go. So you're not only saving money, but you're also probably getting better care. Along the quality of care lines. If you do want to check, and I highly recommend that you check what the track record is of a facility that you want to go to, I would recommend going to places. One of them is healthgrades.com, where you can look up the name of the surgeon. And if you look, you scroll kind of down into the middle of the page, there's a section which says procedures. That lists the procedures that that Individual physician does the most often based on claims data. I would make sure that whatever procedure you are going for is listed for that particular physician. If it is not, then you are, I would recommend trying to find someone who does that procedure a lot that does the volume for the reasons that we were talking about before. Um, so that's number one. I don't know if you've ever looked at health grades.
1: I have not, like I said, it, as a low-end consumer of uh, of healthcare. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs>
0: well, now you know.
1: Not, not on my radar whatsoever. So, yeah, I'll try, to, yeah, try
0: so to write that down. Hopefully you won't need to, but if you do, now you know. And then the other website that I would highly recommend, or, or kind of two, one is LeapFrog. And then there is another one called at Medicare.gov slash Hospital Compare. There's kind of this thought in this country You know, just with shows like House, that if you have the best surgeon in the world, that that's all it takes. To be frank, most of the complications and and issues and problems do not necessarily happen on the table. You know, if you think about it, you spend a couple of hours with the surgeon, but then you might spend days in the hospital with everybody else. And it's in that after period when infections happen or blood clots happen or other complications happen that don't get picked up on right away. So equally important, and there's some that argue even more important than the individual physician, is the quality scores of the hospital where you will recuperate. If you look on leapfrog.com or you look on medicare.gov slash hospital compare, what you will find are the quality scores for metrics for the hospital, you know, like for for example, how many times a foreign object is left in the patient after surgery, or how what their in- MRSA infection rates are, or C diff, or how many times there were medication errors. All of those things are available to look up online, and I would strongly suggest that if you are getting a you know procedure, that you check those out as well as going to the cost sites that we've just been talking about, like guru.com or the healthcare for example.
1: Yeah, I'll definitely look into all of that as a newbie. I'm trying to, I prefer to be in a data rich environment, especially for someone that's going to be cutting me open, even though it's laparoscopic and it seems to be for, you know, lower risk. I am you know, hearing things about this procedure, like with the mesh, you know, that they want to use.
0: But I do feel like what we are talking about here, I mean, these are really essential skills. This stuff is life or death. And it, it concerns me. And I think it's probably a problem in this country that in a space where so much of the burden of getting good care and navigating this healthcare system that we have here is put on the patient. And in a situation, you know, in this country where most of the bankruptcies are because people can't pay their medical bills. And yet there is no place that you necessarily can go to get kind of, you know, boot camp healthcare education. On how to get the highest quality care, how to even know what price you're going to pay prior to getting the bill when it's too late to negotiate or too late to go elsewhere, you know that that does strike me as a serious issue.
1: Yeah, I don't know, you know, if insurance companies. You know, I see the billboards around town, you know, we, you know that they've got your back. We're here for you. We want you to have the best quality care. But when so many people, just to your point about the bankruptcies. Uh, from healthcare and surgeries, etc., um, it seemed like they would say, "Okay, here's the lowest cost provider for you." Or give me a low, medium, high. At least present me my options that way. Without why do I have to go take that on as if I'm buying a car? You know, if they really have, if my health is really their best interest and they're looking out for me, it seems like they would, you know, either give me a matrix or say, "Okay, you, you know, these are the people with the highest success rate." And here's how much it's going to cost, or at least give me more information to make the decision on rather than sending me to a single clinic that can handle the procedure. And here's what they charge. And there's no one else ever talks about it after that.
0: Yeah, you would think that kind of gets into a whole other can of worms relative to the business model of insurance plans and the incentives that wind up becoming realized. Because at the end of the day, the decisions and the business models and what players in the healthcare industry is, as well as every other, I mean, businesses are very rational and they do what their incentives do. Unfortunately, heretofore, there have been numerous incentives actually for prices for patients to get the highest price, not the lowest. You know, and, and this is actually a I don't want to go off on a total sidebar, but in the land of unintended consequences, (laughs) this is actually a big one because the ACA, what it did was it mandated that no more than a 20% profit margin, right? So if you think about it, 20% of a really, really big cost number is a greater absolute sum than 20% of a smaller number. So based on that medical loss ratio that got put into place, insurers actually had an incentive to see costs go up. You see what I'm saying?
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, sure.
0: So that that is actually, you know, like I said, in the land of unintended consequences, that's, that's kind of a doozy. What that basically incented all of the care providers and hospitals to do is raise prices. So you did see over the past number, it's, it's flattening a little bit now, but there was gigantic spikes for the cost of services in healthcare over those years. Because the only people that had an incentive to see those prices decline were patients, employers and taxpayers, none of whom were motivated or organized to fight back it kind of stinks when you have an industry where the wolf is guarding the hen house right. and, and that is effectively what wound up happening. And, you know, it, it's easy to point fingers at insurance carriers, but the, prov- you know, the provisioners of care, in my opinion, just as culpable in that.
1: Like I have no problem paying, you know, you know pay, paying a qualified surgeon for their time an anesthesiologist. That's probably a fairly important role. So I don't mind paying them. <laughs> and Obviously, the facility fee, you know, they got to keep the lights on and have janitors, et cetera. But I said, you know, I didn't I didn't see why it was five thousand dollars more for the exact same procedure at a bigger space that's physically owned by my insurance company. And so, you know, it's kind of interesting talking to this uh, to the surgeon. But it's my impression is that it's uh, essentially kind of a co-op that is a surgical center that perhaps might be owned by three or four local physicians. And, you know, it's a business for them. So, yeah, they want to, you know, make a profit and run their business, but they're not looking to charge the exorbitant uh, facility fee because they just have a very modest facility but provide the care. So, to me, that was kind of refreshing that, you know, as a small business owner myself, I said, I have no problem supporting you as a small business operator. Granted, you know, you're a you know, physician that you're going to be cutting me open. That's that's your business, also mine. Um, <laughs> but I thought it was kind of refreshing to have them kind of laughing about, you know, not wanting to give all this extra money to these big corporations. So it's kind of refreshing. It seemed like they were they were a you know a, a care provider, they were a physician first, and they had no ties to the insurance company on like the larger facility that I went to first.
0: Crane, I I thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your perspective and the experience that you had. And I think there's a lot of food for thought for all of us in the industry to contemplate, you know, if we are looking to be patient centric, you know, here's a perfect example of someone who had to navigate the mores and the morass <laughs> of the, mm-hmm. of the healthcare system with, you know, little experience. So let's take this all under advisement.
1: Well, I I appreciate the information that you shared and also uh, the information I I gleaned from David. Uh, Please, please thank him for me on my behalf. Um, But yeah, I just just didn't know. And I think probably a lot of people don't know that if they have information that they can actually make choices that they probably don't know that they have the power to make.
0: And that should probably be the title of this in between episode, my friend. So thank you for nailing that, making my job a little bit easier. The power to make choices. That's what this will be called. (laughs) I thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Crane. Thank you. My pleasure. Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, you will also find a complete listing of all of the shows that we have published thus far with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening.